Hello and welcome to Is This Room Free? My name is Martin Drake and I'm an ex-HR professional who is now the founder and managing director of Hire People, a recruitment business that is raising the standards in the way recruitment agencies operate. In this podcast, I will be talking to HR professionals and listening to the stories of their careers. I will be finding out about the journeys they have taken and what they've learned along the way. The purpose is to help others in the profession identify and understand the various paths available and take inspiration from my guest speakers. Whether you are someone who is looking to get that first step on the HR career ladder or an aspiring HR director, I hope you get value from my conversations. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hi everyone, just wanted to say a massive thank you to everybody who has been listening to the show over the last, um, well, maybe 10 weeks, maybe one week. Um, I'm sure you've all been listening to it for different periods of time. But um, this week we have passed a phenomenal landmark of 500 listeners, which has quite honestly just blown my mind. Um, I came up with this idea of doing the podcast when when I was walking the dog, listening to podcasts myself uh, with the first lockdown. Um, and just wanted to create something that would be useful for ta- useful for HR professionals to listen to, get insights from others in their careers and, and the good stuff that they're doing in their companies and their organisations. So for it to have reached um, 500 people or listening and um, in, God, not even in the UK, we've got people in, in the US, in Thailand, in Germany, in Spain, um, in the Philippines, it's, it's just crazy for for me to think of my little old podcast getting all over the world but um so massive thank you to everybody um the feedback that has been coming back from people indicates it is really useful and people are getting a lot of value out of it um i would always say if if you guys as listeners want me to be asking any specific questions or um changing the 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 context or the tone of the the podcast in any way Always please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, send me a message. I'm always very open and receptive to to hearing about it because really it's, I'm doing this for, for all you listeners. So if there's something more that you want from it, please just let me know. But um, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much um, for helping us achieve this milestone. On this episode, I talked to Stephen Taylor. We connected on LinkedIn recently and Stephen asked if he could come on the podcast to tell his story. When he was younger, he had dreams of working in social care or as a primary school teacher, but whilst in further education, realised those weren't actually careers that he wanted to pursue. He found his way into HR and now works for Merseyrail as an employee experience advisor. Not only do we discuss this unique role, but how Stephen has ultimately found the role that he's passionate about, but also fulfils those ambitions to help people and give something back to society. I was so fascinated learning about Stephen's job and know that anyone in HR can take away some insights into health, well-being and diversity that you can then implement into your own organisation. I hope you guys enjoy this one as much as I did. Stephen, thanks very much for joining me on the podcast. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Martin? Good, I'm really well, thank you. It's nice. It's been, we've had three days of sunshine, um, so it's, uh, it's nice. But you've, you've just been away on holiday. I have. I've uh, just been to Portugal. So unfortunately, quarantining for two weeks now, but it was a lovely week away. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, you've got a cracking tan. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So I I wanted to bring you onto the podcast because obviously we we connected on LinkedIn. Um, you were aware of the, of the, of the podcast, um, and you kind of wanted to tell your story because you're in a slightly unique um, and very niche part of, of HR, but something that I think is probably slowly and slowly coming into the um uh kind of the mindset of people a little bit more so do you want to just um for the listeners kind of say who you are and, and, and guess what your role is yeah so my name is Stephen Taylor and I am the employee experience advisor for Merseyrail um so I was originally the HR advisor health and well-being so my role was specifically focused on health and well-being and um, but that's now adapted in the two years that I've been there to focus on equality diversity and inclusion and also supporting with um, internal communications as well cool cool so a lot of the listeners probably going what is that what is employee experience (laughs) so we'll obviously we'll come on to that towards the end but let's let's go back to the beginning so um you you did a you did a unique 
university degree as well, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, so I studied education with childhood and youth. Um, so, so I originally wanted to be a social worker slash primary school teacher. Um, wasn't quite too sure. Um, and then as, as I went along doing that degree, I realised that I didn't want to do either. Um, and was fortunate enough to kind of fall into HR a little bit. I wasn't even aware of HR okay. as I was studying. Um, so why did you decide? Why did you Sorry? decide you didn't want to do um, either of the main vocations that were relative to the degree that you studied? Um, I think there was just a lot of red tape around both of them for me. Oh, unfortunately, okay. I'm keen on wanting to help people, um, and didn't realise there was like a business element to helping people, which is where <laughs> HR comes in. Um, so. For me, I was, the first two that popped into my head were social work or primary school teacher and the little bit of work experience that I did around them um, didn't kind of meet my expectations really. And yeah. what I want, where I wanted to help, I, I felt like I couldn't, I couldn't help as much as I wanted to or there was too many restrictions and too, too many ticking boxes for my life. And so wasn't like, wasn't for me unfortunately like a good samaritan all tied up in bureaucracy <laughs> it just doesn't a, work a, a little bit yeah, yeah. i mean perfect way to put it really yeah. <laughs> cool okay so um so you um you graduated decided that wasn't either of those weren't the route that you wanted to go down so what what was your next step so you became a graduate graduate where did you go from there um, so I was lucky enough to work while studying. Um, so I, work, I used to work for National Museums Liverpool. Um, and I went from working as a shop assistant in the gift shop to being a front of house manager. And then I was lucky enough then to see a position um, within the HR team. And I think because I'd been with National Museums for so long, they were nice enough to give me the opportunity to, to take that first step into the HR um, career. But for me, it was, again, it was HR was something that I wasn't really aware of. And it wasn't until I seen that role that popped up um, and, and the job description along with that, that I thought, oh, this really resonates with something that I'm, I'm interested in and w- would be interested in doing and would enjoy doing. Um, and I think that's, that was my first inclination into HR and, and how I spotted that type of, them type of roles. Okay. So had that not have popped up on like an internal bulletin or an internal vacancy, you could potentially be down a very different path maybe potentially literally potentially yeah i mean i could i could still be a front house manager i could have gone into something else sliding doors that movie with Gwyneth <laughs> <What> <laughs> if, it life, wasn't, if it wasn't like. for that position that came up yeah <laughs> yeah so what was it about the role so you're a you're a front of house um guest manager then um what was it about the role that you thought yeah that's that i really like the sound of that uh, so the the one in National Museums Liverpool that was a HR coordinator role, and um, so it was an entry level role, but it was with a specific focus on um, training and volunteers. So I used to coordinate uh, training courses internally for the staff, and I also used to um, support with the onboarding of volunteers. We used to get them enrolled. We do help with the recruitment, um, and it was it was that that side of it to me. I think the recruitment element actually appealed to me and being able to support such a, a key part and an integral part of National Museums Liverpool, which is the volunteers. A lot of, there was a lot of volunteers in National Museums Liverpool as well as staff. Um, so to be involved in that and to have an input in that was, was what interested me in that role. Okay. Did you know there was more of a, I guess, a career path available down um, a professional um I'm going to rephrase that. Did you know that there was more of a, an opportunity available than a, a professional career path like HR then and think, actually, that is something that I'd like to get into because I can see a, a kind of a, a route ahead of me, whereas where you're at maybe then not having that kind of possible um, career foresight maybe? No, definitely. I think um, obviously didn't understand it fully, but once I'd moved into the role and I could see that that was definitely a career path that was, was, was okay. more opportunities and there was more, there was more of a future that I could see and more okay. development for myself. Um, and like I say, although I hadn't thought about it before, I think having done even the coordinator side and the, the operational side, even that element interested me a little bit as well. So I thought there's definitely a lot of scope for development within this industry. Um, and something that I could see me progressing in as well. Okay, okay. So it wasn't something maybe consciously that you 
you knew there was a, a HR career that was com- kind of completely alien to you. Just it was that role that you thought, actually, I like the sounds of this. It's just a step forward in in my career and see where it goes from there. Definitely, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so there's quite a lot of um, recruitment within that. From from my understanding. Um, recruiting volunteers can be quite a difficult thing especially from a HR um, there was an organization I recruited for um, last year and um, within one of their roles um, they were a, um, a not-for-profit so they had a lot of volunteers working in the organization and I just remember having a chat with them and they were saying it's really difficult when you've got volunteers from a HR perspective because on one hand you it's about kind of treat to treating them as an equal but the, the, then the kind of permanent employees appreciating that maybe they're not working at the same performance level, but you can't have the hump about that because they're a volunteer. Yeah. So it's like a weird <laughs> dynamic. Uh, I, th- I think, like, like I say, from a from a HR point of view, it was nice to kind of be involved in that and coordinate that. And we used to support the line managers in managing the volunteers as well. So the onus was on the managers really to kind of pick up any any of the slack in that sense yeah um, but you can't come down but, too hard can you because they're volunteers no you don't want, you'd like, of you, course you, kind of, you need them in the organization yeah so you can't got, say oh come on work harder when <laughs> they're doing <laughs> no, it no. charge and no but I, I, i'd like to think there's still a level of <laughs> uh, a, a level of commitment there and a, le- and, and a minimal yeah. level of um, work ethic that that they can bring to the to the organization as well so I think, okay. to be to be honest, there was never many issues because it was it was always people who were keen to either get in the museums or within within that sec- sector of the museum. So they could be a volunteer in the aquarium, etc. So they had a keen interest in that, and were often yeah. studying alongside it as well. So there was never any any issues. To be fair, in in that sense, fair, enough, fair. Enough. And did you feel that? Because um, I'm I'm always kind of curious about this for people who kind of then transition over into to HR or. Um, even try and get that kind of first role because it's a different skill set really so did you feel as you entered into that um, position that any of the skills that you'd had previously lent themselves to what you were now doing massively yeah I think like you say it was a bit of a big step um, moving from I I think even going from a a front of house visitor assistant to a manager um, that was a little bit of a step in terms of getting used to calendars and, and meetings and and being involved more that way but then to then go from the front of house manager to a HR coordinator that was again another completely big step so there was skills that I could take from each role into the next um, but I, w- I definitely needed a bit more support and guidance once I'd moved over to the HR coordinator role okay. in terms of diary management and, and going to meetings and, and being involved in more business decision making um, which I, I was fully supported with that which was great as well. Okay. Okay. So did you think kind of most of your learning was around just kind of computer skills or um, the, the interpersonal and communication skills? Um, more so the interpersonal and communication, definitely. Um, I'd like to say I'm quite a people person anyway, with, and being the front house customer service, it isn't too bad. Um, but when it comes to, when it comes to even just emails and diary management and etiquette around certain things within the office all all of that was a big learning curve to go from being a staff member on the front line to to actually being a bit more of an office-based member of staff there there was there was a difference and an element of learning there as well cool okay okay um and then how have you progressed from that role because you're in that for uh, just shy of a year and then you've you've kind of um, then moved on so what was the reason for ultimately moving on from the from the museums um, I absolutely love the museums, um, but I think for me, I'm always I've, I've got that mindset of progression. I'm always wanting to do better, um, and for the the role that I've seen as a HR advisor, health and wellbeing at Merseyrail, um, kind of tied in a lot more to to the pre work that I'd done in terms of my degree. So when it came to education and childhood and youth, I I could see like the mental well the mental wellbeing element of that in the the health and wellbeing side of the HR job description so when I looked at that job description it actually looked like the perfect job for me it kind of tied in HR well-being um, that support and even that and as a role itself is quite a unique role to to pop up you know it's not just a um a generalist it's not so usually on the market you'll find 
just a generalist advisor or maybe one that leans toward more towards employee relations um possibly one that leans a bit more to recruitment or something but very rarely do you see hr advisor role that leans or its bias is more towards health and well-being so it's it's odd yeah. for that to come up um why do you think that do you think that's because Mersey rail are quite innovative and forward thinking or just because they're so large that they need a, a specialist in each of the different um disciplines no i actually think that the Mezrail are quite a forward-thinking business in that sense, and um, it sits under employee engagement. So I used to sit under the uh, the head of an employee engagement. Um, so and I think he wanted a little bit of support with 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 that with that workload because I think he was overseeing engagement and um, reward and recognition, um, health and well-being, diversity and inclusion. So I think he was just looking for someone who could solely focus on health and well-being, which was obviously mental well-being massively on the increase. Yeah. Um, and then with my experience of well-being from a childhood and youth perspective, but also the customer service experience and everything like that. And also I think in the interview, my passion and motivation and drive came across as well. Take a bit of a chance on me, I think. Well. <laughs> Hopefully it pays off for them. <laughs> you're kind of getting on to what I was going to ask next, really. So because it's, because it's quite a niche role, there aren't going to be a ton of people out there who are going to have a CV that um, hit every single point of what they would be looking for. Um, so how, do you, how, how or why do you think it was that your CV was one that was shortlisted i mean this might be something that you might have uh, since you've been in situ that you've you've discussed with them or do you think it was maybe the the degree that you had or do you just think you were the only person who applied <laughs> I, I, I don't think it was that <laughs> um I, I, do you know what i think it was a little bit of everything i was quite like with the experience that i've got from my degree and everything i was quite lucky to have elements of everything so I had the, the front of house customer service manager experience I had the HR coordinator role experience to so the admin side and then from obviously my interest was with well-being and diversity yeah. so that element also supported the application as well so I think just I don't want to say like a bit of a jack of all trades but kind of picking up bits and pieces as yeah. I've gone along from work experience from actual jobs and then putting that all together it kind of tied in very nicely with the role and the job description and I was able to bring it all together and, and, and evidence that at the interview I think so that's why I was lucky enough to be offered the job I think I wasn't definitely the only one that <laughs> <laughs> like the stars aligned a little bit so so in your interview what sort of things were they asking you can you even remember I mean, it was a couple of years ago do you remember oh god yeah, it, was, it was it was two two three two two and a half years ago now but um I think it was mainly it was on that well-being element so it was just like what what's your knowledge about mental well-being like do you know any local support services oh, okay. etc what's your experience in terms of obviously dealing with dealing with staff so I have I had manager experience I had um business support experience so I think like I say it was all all that just tied into one had you um, by that point had you ever had any um experiences dealing with um things like mental health with either when you're at the museums in terms of from the HR side or even as being a manager with with, with individuals. So had you got um, practical experience of, I don't know, it could be mental health, it could be well-being, it could be um, yeah. any of those aspects? Yeah, so again, from being the front house manager, we used, I'd be supporting staff from a mental well-being point of view if anyone was off with, with stress or actual mental health conditions. I'd obviously learned a lot and studied a lot about mental health conditions in university. So that was where my knowledge was coming from. But yeah. I definitely did learn a lot on the job as well with my role being more uh, child and youth focused. Um, there's a lot of the support services interlinked. So I was obviously aware that you've got your adult mental health services and your children's mental health services. Um, but then it was just kind of then linking that to to the business and to the interview. And I've definitely picked up a lot more on the way as well and learnt as I've gone along, which is which has been a massive been a massive help for the business and for myself. Okay. I just, I find it so fascinating because because it's it's almost like um cutting edge stuff because um <laughs> because it's so new and I mean mental health has really only come onto the, the radar in any significant way in the last probably two, maybe two and a half years. I, I kind of remember the first Mental Health Awareness Day 
um, or certainly the one I was aware of about two and a half years ago, because um, I ran a HR forum where I had a guest speaker talking about it um, and invited HR people to it. And when we did it, it was on kind of Mental um, Health Awareness Day. So I'm, yeah. just, I'm just really fascinated because it, it's, it's cutting edge sounds a little bit. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, a bit ridiculous almost. But do you know what I mean? It's kind of very forward thinking. It's new. It's a new niche within, within HR, isn't it? Definitely. I think, like you say, I've, I've probably been quite lucky in, in terms of timing as well as as I'd progressed and, and moved on from university, I think, like you said, mental well-being was then starting to take hold, not only just in nationally, but within business as well. I think businesses were then really picking up on it and, and realizing how much mental health was affecting their staff. And if you're able to support your staff, you're, you'll obviously get that back tenfold with yeah. engagement as well. So um, I think Miserel were definitely forward thinking in that sense and seeing the benefit of having somebody within that position to, to highlight mental health and raise awareness and support as best we can as well so what what did that on a day-to-day basis that role of hr advisor health and well-being like what what were you doing day-to-day oh it, it could range from anything so we used to do uh we used to do um health checks every quarter quarterly health checks so they that would be us going out on site we used to rent equipment um, and we'd do health checks. So we'd go to the depots or stations and do health checks for the staff. When you say um, health also, check, what, what's a health check? Like an actual physical health check? Yeah, just so we'd hire the equipment and it's just a basic. We'd do your height, weight, blood pressure, um, et cetera, things like that. And then, so everybody um, in Mersey Rail had this at some point? Well, not not everybody, but it was available to everybody. But it was okay. it was kind of on a it was available to you if you wanted to do it. You didn't oh, right, have to okay. do it. And we, right. we would just we would stop off at certain put like certain um, key destinations across the network where there's higher footfall of staff yeah. um, such as the depots and, and the main stations and staff could drop in and just get them it'd be literally a 10 minute check stand on the scales we'll do your height weight blood pressure um, and then they get like a report at the end of it and it tells them like what to work on with a little bit of advice and things I bet no um, I bet all the women didn't want the weight doing <laughs> but I bet everybody wanted know, the blood pressure I, I think when once we got it consistently when when we started doing it quarterly and the pe- people could see it coming back around again and it wasn't just the oh the recessioners get like they were the, the yeah the skepticism yeah I didn't know it was going to be skepticism yeah yeah but I think once they could see and then we had it wasn't just myself doing it as well it was we've got a, a little team of health and well-being champions so they're just staff who okay. volunteer as as an extra onto their role um, and they supported that as well so I would help it them set up but it'd be the health and well-being champions essentially running that initiative as well i can imagine um, like with the skepticism there's all there's always like some um like conspiracy theorists looking around aren't they? <laughs> they're only getting this data so they can track us yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're gonna they're gonna be getting onto us about our weight etc yeah don't, don't get me wrong we do health promotions and and things like that but it's 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 genuinely all for the benefit of the staff. I think that people do obviously have the concerns and the skepticisms and things, but it, it's honestly, I, I, I feel like I'm trying to sell it now, but like <laughs> from, from the role point of view, and I'd like to think from any business point of view, if this role was in place, it's genuinely for the benefit of the staff and it's not, it's not data collecting. It's not, it's not who can we get rid of, et cetera. So. Yeah. I don't, I don't really know what, what could you do with that? Cause you, you, you put yourself straight up for a claim, aren't you? If you if you're tracking yeah, people's exactly. weight and then suddenly someone's dismissed for whatever reason, then exactly. you're completely liable. And I, I think a lot of people, and I even myself, if I was a frontline member of staff, I wouldn't I wouldn't be quite aware of that. Do you know what I mean? You do yeah. have, you do have that. But I think seeing if now from this side, it, the business does genuinely care, and I'd like to think other businesses, if they had anything similar, they do genuinely care. So I guess a lot of it comes through. The, the communication and how when you're going out and doing these um these programs or these initiatives it all really starts with how it's communicated not only in terms of the language used but um the transparency but almost how effectively as well in terms of kind of making sure that the the communication is consistent but it's getting out to everybody um yeah. about kind of what what these what this is for and you know for positive reasons as well Definitely. So I think that's why the, the role sits quite well where it is within the team as well. So we've got, uh, I'm the employee experience advisor, then you've got the employee experience manager, and we've also got the internal communications manager within our team. So we're okay. seen as a team of three within the HR department. And I've learned a lot in terms of um, how to communicate messages out to the business from the 
um, the, the internal communications manager and we work closely together to to put things on the internet, to send out emails. And again, like you said, the communication element's really key in the sense of highlighting the importance of these initiatives, but making sure that the staff are aware that it is genuinely for them and, and we care about them. Yeah, it's like the internal marketing of it really, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, which that definitely does play a major role in the initiatives as well. Okay, so you would do so you'd go out um, as the as a HR advisor, health and wellbeing. You go out, you do um, these uh, kind of um, health checks. What what else would you be doing within that role? Uh, so we, we've done things like the cycle to work scheme. Um, we implemented mindfulness. Um, so we, mindfulness was something quite new to the business, but we used to do taster sessions so staff could could register their interest in them, and then if they were if they were off shift or um, they were available to attend, they could attend a ninety minute mindfulness taster session. So what's they, that? They, they went. What would they do? So, they go to one of them. It was literally ninety minutes, and we partnered with a lovely lady, um, Nicola from Mindfit. Um, she's amazing um, in Liverpool, and she used to come in for ninety minutes, and it would kind of involve meditation. Um, to do a bit of a body scan so they sit there quietly and you kind of feel your feet, feel your, oh, your, yeah. your legs on the seat, etc. Um, but they could be staff from all over the network. It could be a driver in there. It could be a station assistant. It could be someone in, in head office. Um, and they would, they would just sit there for the, she would, she would lead the session session for 90 minutes um, and, and teach them a bit of meditation, a bit of grounding and little techniques even that they could use within the, within their roles, especially some of the roles that are a little bit more high-stress roles uh, to, to kind of help mellow them out and, and support them within their role as well. I think as a society, we need to get rid of the stigma around all this and try and embrace it a little bit more because um, I imagine if you went out into the workforce and just started talking about we're going to run uh, mindfulness sessions where you'll be doing meditation and grounding and um feel your feet and things like that. There's, you're instantly hit with ridicule, <laughs> aren't you? But oh, um, yeah. like over the last, probably probably over the last probably eight months or something like that, I've been listening to loads of business podcasts because start starting the business. And um, a lot of them were, have been with business leaders who have been talking about, um, you know, how leadership and things like that. And so many of them reference doing meditation first thing in the morning. So, yeah. you know, just spending, even if it's just 15 minutes, um, meditating, clearing the mind so that they're, they're set up for the day. Um, and, and you look at other, um, other societies around the world, um, you know, kind of around Asia where it's, you know, Buddhism where it's kind of quite big as well. Yeah. And it, and it, I think it's, it's really big. And I, I remember this is, <laughs> this is really daft as well. Um, do, you, what, do you ever seen Coronation Street? No, I don't watch no, it. Right. No. So, the, so do you know, you, you'll, you must have seen it. There's a guy called Ken on Coronation Street. Is it, he's been I think, in it since, I think I know Ken, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's been, been in it, it since yeah, like yeah. the day one. Um, William Roach <laughs> is the actor. Yeah. I remember seeing something on him and he's been doing meditation since um, like years, since the eighties. He's, he's, I think he's in his eighties and he looks like he's in his fifties. The guy looks amazing. <laughs> and I think, well, that, you know, that's gotta be something. But he swore by it and he said, I've been doing it every day for 30 years. Yeah. And the guy looks phenomenal for it. And I'm not just saying because of those reasons, there's yeah. obviously had an impact. Yeah. And I, I do think just as a society, we need to stop ridiculing these things as like mumbo jumbo, Nancy pantsy yeah. and, and buy into the, I guess it comes from the scientific data behind it and going, actually, this is really, really beneficial to do. And, and I, you know, Definitely. You, you probably know more about this than me, but even just those little um, reset things that you can do at your desk at work where like you say, grounding, put your, put your feet on the ground, sit in a certain position, breathing techniques, and it can really just take away the stress that you've got of the day, reset you um, to, to kind of get through the, the rest of the day. Literally, I think, like you say, not only has mental health increased massively in the past few years, but mindfulness and that as well, alongside mental health. Like you say, all the, all the statistics are coming out now to as evidence based of how much it works. And from the from the sessions that we've run, like we've run also six week courses with our with our line managers, 
and the results from that have been amazing. Like we, really? we, we do an assessment, we do an assessment on them from week one and they say how they're feeling on a, on a scale of one to five. It's called the Schwemweb scale. And then they, they, they say it could be a three. It's called Schwemweb scale. If you, if you, if you say <laughs> it. And, and, and it, it just basically says like, I've been, I've been feeling close to other people and you rate it one to five. Yeah. My mental health's been okay. One to five. And then, what you'd find is people were averaging on week one, they were, they were putting between two and four. And then by week six, they were genuinely putting between um, three and five on the scale. Um, so the increase would, I think it was like a 20% overall increase really? um, in the mental well, yeah, yeah. In the mental wellbeing. And that's just from our, our own groups. We've run four or five of them courses and we've, we've realized that there was a 20% average wellbeing and mental wellbeing increase by the end of the a 20% increase in mental wellbeing in just a six week course of a yeah. sample group really. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. and the great thing is those individuals will then go out and they'll be ambassadors promoting it to the rest of the workforce you just need and, those and that, that, that that's exactly what it's been it's it's been a, it's been a bit of a culture shift and a bit of a culture change but it just takes like them initial people to to be willing to try and open-minded like the early adopters yeah and and you i think you, you do always get them in the business the keen people that are, are wanting to try these initiatives and then it, it then does trickle out and filter out then and, and then that's how you get others on board and you get a little bit more people who are skeptical but then if you just change that one mind of that skeptical yeah. person and then they go back out to the business that's it then it can be a massive wave across the business and so yeah. it's, it's been it's been good to see little initiatives like that take off as well i love it was there anything else that you I'm, I'm so fascinated by this <laughs> so, so you've got the you got the um health like the the health assessments you've got the mindfulness yeah. sessions you've got the cycle to works that you were doing anything yeah. else oh, i want to know it all <laughs> we, we do we, we, we do the usual fruit drops we we keep them going up the, the the staff love them they're just a simple quick and easy yeah. pick. um but the, oh god there's, we've we, we run um, a strava group um, so for anyone who's interested in running or they're cycling, Strava is an app. the app, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we've, got, we've actually got a Merseyrail group on there as well, which oh, has cool. got 120 staff on. So we've got, we have about 11, 1,200 staff. So we've got about 10% of the business on there. Um, which is good. We, 10% of the business. Yeah, yeah. Like 10% doesn't sound a lot, but to get 10% of a business all participating in a health app and doing activities yeah. is, is, is great. So we we run a monthly incentive on that, and if they do one activity, a thirty one thirty minute activity a week for four weeks, and they get a twenty, um, you, they get put into a draw to win a twenty five pound voucher. So out if forty on average, you'll get about fifty members of staff doing that, and yeah. on a month it could be different ones, and then they go into a draw, and then someone can win a twenty five pound voucher. So again, just another little small incentive to to keep them doing physical activity. But the the camaraderie on there and and the the motivation on there from other members of staff as well. Um, it's really nice to see even someone like myself when I've been going for 5k runs 10k runs the comments that you get from the staff to just keep you motivated and that has, has been really positive so little, just little initiatives like that that was actually an idea from a member of staff and it was myself who just kind of got it off the ground running and, and got it through the business and, and, and approved but that actually that idea actually came from a member of staff as well so we're always looking for feedback and ideas from from the staff themselves how do they do that is, is it just a, a kind of general kind of they're aware of your department so they just kind of email you guys and say look I've, you know i've been thinking about doing this can we get it off the ground yeah yeah just just an open forum like that or even from the the health and well-being champions so we meet quarterly as well oh, and course, they yeah. and they could speak to them and then they could feedback the ideas as well so any, anything like that but we're quite open as a business to feedback which is good as well you just got like the the best hr you got like <laughs> There's, there's, if you look at like the, the the spectrum of HR stuff, um, you're doing like all the fun. I don't want to call it fun because there's a no, it, yeah, yeah, it is, oh, yeah. You're doing all the great stuff, aren't you? You're not having to deal That's, with disciplinaries and uh, you know absenteeism no. <laughs> and you know some people no. like recruitment. You're this sounds like the dream. <laughs> I think I do have to pinch myself sometimes and realise how lucky I am because the, the, literally the role, add diversity into that element as well which is a massive passion of mine um, which obviously was added on later on to the role when it moved so, to employee so experience this is where I kind of want to go towards now so the role yeah. has evolved then from health and wellbeing to now the, the kind of classing it as a more broader topic of employee experience advisor yeah okay so that, what, how? what's this Kind of what's the change and how does it 
Um, in- I think um, I, I think that I think the business could real. I think they were. I, we were seeing from my role, and the business was realizing that obviously social well-being is very linked to that to diversity and inclusion. Um, whether that be from an internal perspective, from staff members getting on together in t- in their teams, or whether that's from a personal perspective, and if you've got one of the protective characteristics, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, um, seeing the social well-being element of that develop into the diversity agenda and my my manager at the employee experience manager she oversees that agenda and um, so I've just been supporting with that so kind of she's taking me under a wing a little bit and and letting me support on initiatives for instance like we we actually attended our first pride march last year um oh, in cool. 2019 so we got as a, as 30 a, members of staff yeah so we um it, as a company yeah it was the first one that we've attended officially um since pride started liverpool, the liverpool pride started so that was a nice little achievement for us um and then we've we've just done more we've just done more and more this year and last year um my manager's a mass, massive advocate for um equality diversity and inclusion as well so she's really keen and passionate about it and it's really nice to kind of learn off her as well and and see see the way she's taken it forward which has been massive for the business even just in terms of uniform guidelines we've we've we now allow staff to have uh coloured hair etc which was an initiative that she brought in just making us more representative to the communities that we serve and things so it, it, here's it's just seeing them Jean. Here's Go on. I like so I did um uh, I did a zoom call with somebody um earlier today who um is just looking for work um and uh, we were just talking through kind of where she'd been and I really like this phrase that, um so she'd created and implemented a dress how you feel policy so it's basically okay. Um, so I said, well, if I'm feeling like Tigger, could I go dressed as Tigger? <laughs> as long as you're not doing a client meeting, yeah. I was like, I like the rather That's than it. it dressed down, dress how you feel, and and basically, I, I like that. Yeah, people could go in as as formal as they wanted or as relaxed as they wanted. Um, and I guess the, you know there are well, we didn't, I didn't exploit it too much, but I guess there's some rough guidelines within there because they'd have to be um, of course so like you said if you've got if you've got a business meeting etc yeah well things. you can't wear anything yeah. offensive or anything like that no i just really like the phrase it was kind of very the lang again coming back to communication the language used within that dress yeah. how you feel um rather than dress down is i just yeah i just it, it it was a good connotation. No, it's very interesting. Yeah. It, I liked. Um, it's um, like you say. I think a lot of these terms and phrases can be, become very corporate, can't they? Like you say, like dress yeah. down, and and they're just associated with one day a year or something yeah. like that. So to, for the dresses, the dress how you feel. I really like that. That's a it's a good little good little yeah. policy. <laughs> so, so um, so your your manager has she um had more. To, to be the manager and you're saying she's really kind of passionate about this. Has she yeah. come from a HR background? Has she come from a slightly more um, diversity and inclusion background and then come into HR? So she she actually got the role. Um, she's moved over from being a senior front of house manager for the, for Maisiewell. Uh, she was a, she was a senior really? uh, state yeah senior sta- station manager yeah. Um, and she so she got the head of engagement role. But like, in terms of engagement here. Uh, her staff engagement levels were amazing. Um, so she, again, someone a bit like myself is not much HR background or experience, but our, the elements of our job roles that we've done previously have been really closely linked to the to the job descriptions. Yeah. And obviously, Maisiewell have seen something in her that that she can bring to that role. And um, like, like the way National Museums Liverpool seen something in me that I could bring to that HR role, they've obviously seen our skill set can, can match the job, even though we may not necessarily have the experience, which again, I do think so, some, sometimes businesses can, can, can kind of make too much of a bit of a deal of, on, on obviously the CIPD, et cetera. And I think as long as you know the person and, and the, their experience levels and if, if they can be, a, they can adapt their personality and their skill set to the role, I think that, that, that's a massive way forward as well. So, you could say for people, the pair of us haven't got much HR experience in that sense, but when it comes to to our roles, they are quite new HR roles, and you need yeah. our skill set in terms of the way she speaks to the frontline members of staff. She knows everybody in the business. She's been there like ten years, so she knows the business inside out as well. So she knows what works, what doesn't work, um, and that that's a massive asset to that role as well. Which someone from outside, while they might have all the qualifications in the world, may not know the business as well as she does for that role as well. So 
I think that they're just things to consider when employing people in them type of roles as well. I think Mersey Rail are coming out of this as a phenomenal <laughs> employee, but and it, it's impressive, you know, to sit here. So as a recruiter, I I meet people all the time, um, and and because of that, I hear about a lot of organisations, and um, I, I essentially kind of build up a map in my head of who are the good employers and who are the let's be diplomatic, the not so good employers. <laughs> yeah, um, I could use a very different phrase, but let's call them the not so good employers um, across the whole of the northwest re- northwest region. Um, and because because of kind of the size of, of kind of my my company, um, you know, likes and Mers Rail usually work with a kind of a, a bigger organization, a bigger recruiting organization, or, or do it themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's really it, it's interesting from my perspective to hear about somebody who's so forward thinking, who's so innovative, who you know the leadership in Mersey Rail must be fantastic to embrace this because in a lot of organisations. Um, the people who who are leading these, um, let's face it, you know, corporate, which is what yeah. Israel would be in the public eye. There were people from um, kind of a finance or an operate traditional operational background, um, and they don't necessarily embrace this stuff that's so extreme in terms of HR. They would normally go, okay, well, we need HR because you know we have to have that to to look yeah. after, but to then expand it further and go okay let's really kind of push it out there and 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 be as inclusive as possible but make sure that we give such a good um experience i don't want to i was trying to think of the word experience for employees yeah it's, it's just it's, it's just a breath of fresh air to hear about all of this I, th- I think that's the, one of the things that I've noticed moving over to this. Like they are very open-minded and um, forward-thinking, as we've said. And I think so. Mersey is actually like a joint venture from so fifty percent owned by Circo and fifty percent owned by Abelio. And oh. Abelio, they they own a lot of other train operating companies across the UK as well. And I would say Abelio have a huge influence over Mersey as well. And they are very forward-thinking in the type of job offers and roles that they have too. And we work collectively across the UK for for all the trading operating companies. So we've got um, things like Scott Rail, um, West Midlands Railway, um, Abellio Bus, etc. So they okay. they oversee all of them as well. And I know in terms of um, collaborating and, and, and sharing ideas, that's been a massive thing for us as well. As okay, so our do you, own do little you business. Have to kind of collaborate? Is there like a counterpart of you in Scott Rail or? Yeah, West essentially, yeah. The way the way the teams are set up, it might it might be under a little bit of a different name or uh, the job title, or but there's someone with with the well-being element or the diversity element that Brilliant. we would meet up that we would meet up with and collaborate and share ideas and and let let each other know what's going on across the network. Really, yeah, that's uh, honestly, I'm I keep saying it, I'm just I think it's just fantastic that <laughs> it is so forward-thinking. I mean, it's difficult for you know somebody in a Somebody in a standalone role in an organisation. I know um, Emily Edge, who I had on the, the podcast um, a couple of episodes ago, she she kind of um, explained about kind of having a, trying to have a focus on this in her organisation. And, and I think it can be very difficult when you're the, the one singular HR person trying to give a generalist um, service internally. And this, this almost seems like something too far away because you think, well, I've got my day job to do, and this is this is almost a nice to have, and I can imagine it is very difficult in those circumstances. But you know, it's great that um, organisations like yours and and kind of across the the group yeah. are investing and bringing in headcount to to focus on these sorts of things. So, in terms of the the um, diversity and inclusion um, aspects of it, what initiatives are you doing? do you do around that um so funnily enough actually national inclusion week's coming up towards okay. the end of september so we're, we're actually doing a lot of prep for that at the minute um and tying in with that is black history month so of course the, the movement at the moment with black lives matter we're going to be doing a webinar on black history and just highlighting um awareness around that to our staff um, a lot of our staff are predominantly um white males um so we're just we need to to raise awareness and even 
encourage diversity within our business as well. That's something that we are keen to to develop and improve on, um, which is obviously it's, that's a, a massive way to go as well. And it's a, it's a long journey. We, we started that properly maybe a few years ago as well. So we're on that journey to be to making that better. But even just um, collecting diversity data on our staff, we're looking to promote that as well. Um, so we've just got loads going on. We've been running um, Women in Merseywell Network. So we, we set up a network for the women across the business. Obviously, they're underrepresented within the business. So we, we set up a networking group for them across the business to, to network and, and highlight the challenges that may, they may be facing internally and how we can alleviate and improve them. Uh, we set up an LGBT network um, following Pride. And, and that, that's been a really good network to be involved with as well. So we've just got loads of little pockets and pieces of work um but it's all going on in the background have you found it's had an impact of 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 people i'm trying to pick my words right um (laughs) i I want to say come out of the woodwork but i want to say it in a nicer way than that but of people who maybe were um keeping things concealed suddenly come out because they thought actually there's a supportive environment here for me that I don't need to keep it private and and out of my day to day life. Um, yeah. I don't. I'm, I'm, no, yeah, no, I get, I get what you're saying. Words, in of, you get what I'm trying. Yeah, to say. like in terms of the networking and stuff. Again, I think they can obviously they clearly see that the business cares and the business wants to support them in that. So that that's a massive element of that. But then, not to blow our own trumpet, but I would like to think myself and my manager who who do our roles. I think we would I'll make fit people feel comfortable in in attending those networks and wanting to get involved in these initiatives and wanting to put themselves forward we've got like a diversity forum as well which has got ethnic minority staff and lgbt staff staff with disabilities etc so and we oversee that forum as well with an, with another section of our team um and I, I, I would like i would like to say that it's making a difference and i'd like to think the staff are seeing that difference as well but obviously it's we've got a long way to go just as any business has and it, it's a massive culture change again but we're definitely on on the first steps of that ladder and making improvements the best we can. And and obviously our passion, my passion and my manager's passion for it, I would like to think shines through as well. So you've been in this new role for almost a year now. Uh, the, uh yeah, a year, yeah. As as, as when, when it changed over, over yeah. yeah, yeah. So are you have you you feel as though you've seen kind of a change in that time that you've been doing it? Even well, from even from the well-being role previously. So within the two years that I've been there, yeah, I would, I'd, I'd definitely, I'd like to say that there's been a change. Maybe I'm just being a bit biased. I don't know. That that's something that you need to ask the staff. Take take your modesty away. But you must get feedback from people, and and without without kind of going into it too much, you know, for me, it always comes back to maybe one individual who approaches me and. You know, it's like it's like me trying to do recruitment very, very different to a lot of recruitment agencies. The thing that spurs me on all the time is, you know, I, I kind of I'm a bit like you. I came into recruitment because I was a job seeker looking for HR job who didn't get the level of service that I wanted or expected from other agencies. So I, yeah. I went into HR recruitment to to kind of drive and change that. And the thing that spurs me on all the time is getting feedback from people who just say, thank you so, so much. You've, you've got, you've helped me get that job or, you know, just you've helped my yeah. career. You've bettered my life, not like personally better life, but I've helped them get no, no, yeah. their life. And yeah. that is the thing that just kind of gives me the greatest amount of satisfaction. So the must, I know you maybe don't kind of have the, the, the metrics or anything like that around it, but there must be people who've come up to you and said something really, really positive that you've just given you the biggest buzz and thinking, this is why I'm doing this job. <laughs> oh, totally. Don't get me wrong. Like as, as amazing as a job is, it does come with its, its hard times and its stresses. And um, if you just, just because of you're coming from wanting to do a good job as well. And even like you say, I think um, how you've been treated in the past, whether that be internally or externally, I think, frames the way you want to, to treat other people and do and make that difference and do better for for yourself and for that business and for other people as well um so I th- them stories come f- few and very far between and it's whether they want to come forward and share that as well for for all for all we know we may have helped someone and not even realized or they've not yeah. shared that but 
when them stories do trickle through or someone actually does come forward and say thank you so much or like is it that that's a little pat on the back and then you think that's that's the reason why I'm doing this job and and that's why the, the reason why I continue to do what I do and why I do what I do and, and love what I do as well so I think I think yeah, essentially it's around you know if there's you have you're having an impact in some way on on a whole workforce aren't you whether that is changing someone's um perspective about um a different uh skin color or um somebody who comes from a an lgbt background who now suddenly feels confident in going to work and doesn't feel that they have to conceal things or somebody who's having mental health difficulties and you're helping them deal with that there's there's, there's, you just you doing your job day to day I guess whether people come into you or not, there has there has to be a positive impact that can't be measured around all this. It just has to be having a positive impact. Definitely, like you say, it, it, I think that's why a lot of businesses are maybe reluctant to have such roles because measuring the impact is quite difficult, and you have to try and be creative and and think of ways how you can measure it. To, to, to kind of display that your role is obviously beneficial to the business. But I think, like you say, it's them stories that come forward or the culture shift or the culture change or just even just getting to challenge people a little bit and change their yeah. perceptions. Like you say, from a diversity point of view or even from a well-being point of view, you might get someone who doesn't generally care about their health, but we go out and do the health check and then they realize, oh, actually, maybe I'm a little bit overweight and I need to do something about that or just anything like that when it, when it comes to mental health or the business actually is talking about a lot of mental health issues now and I can come forward and, and, and share that with the business. I think just little things like that are make, are what makes the role worthwhile and they, they, they do come through and when they do come through, it's, it's, it is a nice feeling. Cool. What, what, are you, what are you most proud of that you've done? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> That's a tough one, isn't and, it? And, oh, it's so hard. Yeah. I, I mean, I think... Mental health. I've had a few people actually come forward to me and say the the raised awareness of mental health within the business over the past few years has definitely increased. Um, we we were hoping to implement mental health first aiders this year. It's obviously been postponed with COVID nineteen and training issues, etc. Mm-hmm. But we were literally on the cusp of implementing mental health first aiders as well. So just even little initiatives like that, I think that would I would have been very proud. It's nearly there. It's very close. Um, but I think that once they're implemented into the business and I'm supporting them as a supervisor, a mental health first aid supervisor as well. I think that'll be a massive achievement for me to, to show that the business does care about mental health. And um, that was part of my role. Um, and then from the diversity point of view, I think I, I led on, I actually led on the pride March. It was me who kind of organized that and um, wanted to implement that within the business just before my uh, line manager started. But then she obviously gave me the backing for that as well. Um, so that was a, a really big achievement of mine as well. So yeah, there's been quite a few ones, but I think, like you say, even just on a day-to-day basis, I think I do realise that I am making that difference, which is is what I'm, is what I want to do. So yeah, I think if if I was you, that would be the thing for me. It'd just be going home, looking yourself in the mirror every day, and just knowing that you're having a positive impact on people's lives. Yeah, I think it like as nice as the big wins are, which don't happen very often, but when they do, you're you're really proud of them. I think it is that you go home every day and think if I've made a difference to one person, or even that week if one or two people come forward and go, "Oh, thanks so much," or anything like that, then I think that's why I'm here. So (laughs) we need we need people like you just across society who (laughs) take take out of just organisations, but just put you in put you in the world (laughs) all around them, make millions of your job and just put them out there and just make the world a nicer place to be in. I was going to say you're making me blush but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, know, you know what you just got to try and spread as much positivity as you can the world can be a, a bit of a hard place sometimes can't it so if you're if you're that little bit of positivity in someone's life or and I know things can be difficult sometimes but I just like to think that I'm that positive that I can be that little positive cog in the machine that like I'm always pretty happy and people can go to do you, do you ever have an off day of course, everyone has an off day. I, I, I try not to show it very often, and then people, when I do have an off day, I think people know about it. As well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, like I, I wait till I get home for that as well, and then just go ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, no, I, I'd like to that. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to think I am that pe- person that people can go to for support. So, and where, where, 
So what's the future hold for you? Because this, like I say, this is um, a relatively new branch of, of HR, if you want to kind of call it that. Um, yeah. So there's, you know, there's not going to be tons of them out there at the moment. It, if, where do you see your future? Honestly, like I say right now, I'm really happy doing the role that I'm doing, but um, I'd like to see that developing, like you say, within businesses um, from a diversity and well-being point of view. Um, whether that whether I become a manager, a head of, a director, um, I mean that you're talking 10, 20, 30 years down the line, probably. I guess it's um, maybe not so much about just you. It's, I guess it's just about um, seeing this become more common practice in organisations, I suppose. And and if you can be things like coming on this podcast and talking about it and being an ambassador about it um, is going to yeah. drive change, and with change comes opportunity. I hope so. I think anyone listening, I'd like I'd just like to think that they hear the value that wellbeing and diversity can have on the business. And like you say, although it's not a measurable change that you can see as as, as much as others, it's the value that it, it is adding to the business is is immeasurable, really. Um so I hope businesses that are listening do take that on board and, and consider these type of roles for the future. Is there any little so if there's people kind of um listening to this who um really love what 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 we're talking about and listen to everything about what you're saying but yeah. struggling to think of kind of how they can implement something in in their organization or, or would like to even put forward a proposition into their organization is there anything that you could say um i don't want to say kind of quick wins but you know something something relatively simple that they could do is maybe a first initiative that could get the get the ball rolling on this within their own company um, I would, I think I'd say definitely start small. Um, like you say, it, it tends to be an add-on to most, most roles, which is a shame. But um, even just getting a survey out there is the first thing to do. So get a feel for how the staff feel within the business, whether it's a small or large business. Yeah. Um, and and talk about what what they want in terms of well-being. Do they do they want physical well-being support? Do they want mental well-being support? Um, and just talk about initiatives that could possibly be an idea. Mental health first aid is that something that the business wants. Um, and just getting a feel for for how the staff within the business feel because I'm sure there's some businesses out there that staff may not engage very well with these type of initiatives but then there's some businesses where they're probably crying out for something like this and would really appreciate a role like this as well so I would just say get a feel for how the staff feel from a, from a survey and then take that feedback that is something that you can actually measure and, and collate and, and present to the business and a business case of actually we do need a bit more well-being support or we do need to increase our diversity and initiatives um, and then I would then look for um, staff ambassadors as well so diversity champions health and well-being champions and, and while they need to be managed which is again more time from from the day job I think they they can be the culture change within the business and they can be the ones that make a difference as well so if it I comes from the bottom spread, spreading the weight load of the work a little bit by having ambassadors you've got people who are there kind of helping you deliver that change as well definitely i would like I, my job as well without the, the, the health and well-being champions without the diversity champions would be 10 20 times harder mine and my manager's job and they not only do they filter information to us from the front line and any initiatives or ideas that they've got but we're able to then let them know the work that we're doing and then they filter that out as well and, and support that as well that's so brilliant advice yeah i think thanks that's fantastic like i say it's <laughs> thank you very much thank you <laughs> very it, much yeah but it's like like you say it's, it's get a sense check for what what the organization wants and the employees want before yeah. kind of thinking of something um get it from them and then um start to implement ideas definitely okay cool um, might be a tough one for you this one, but I always kind of say to people, um, what advice would they give to the younger them or um, or other individuals? Because you're in such a kind of niche um, niche role within it all. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what, but could, is there any advice that you? May, I don't know. Maybe the question is what we what we've just answered there. But would you? What advice would you give to somebody or the younger you um, kind of starting their career or trying to get into this this space? Um, I haven't experienced what I've experienced I'd say just try and get as as much experience as you can in different areas of, of interest um, like you say I've probably dabbled in a little bit of everything and, and seen what works for me what doesn't work for me what what ticks me over what gets me going in a job and what doesn't so I'd just say try and 
try and take as much opportunity as you can, get involved in as much as you can. Um, and everything's transferable. All skills are transferable. You can always relate it to a to a job description or or anything like that. So, yeah, just just try and do your best. And I think as long as your motivation and your passion shines through, I'd like to think that employers out there would see that within yourself as well. So just always try your best and and, and do what you can. Cool. Right. Honestly, that has been an absolute pleasure and extremely fascinating. It's been a big uh, learning curve for me, just learning <laughs> about it all. Um, I think it's fantastic work that you're doing. I think it's fantastic work that Mersey Rail are, are doing as well, of being so innovative. And obviously, we spoke about a couple of ideas, people. If anybody listening wants to get in touch with you, um, get a bit more insight into the work that you do, or uh bounce ideas off you are they okay to do that yeah of course just uh, on my linkedin stephen taylor on linkedin okay That's i'll take, I'll take yeah. you in the, the the post of this on linkedin so people can kind of track track you down um, yeah. <laughs> but honestly thank you so so much for coming on and sharing a, a very unique story but let's hope in coming years it becomes a bit more of a, a kind of a common role within organizations but and stephen thank you so so much for for giving up your time and sharing it with us no thanks very much for having me on martin and like i say just uh, thanks for the opportunity to share what i do as well and hopefully it does become more commonplace in the future but thanks very much all right there we have it the show done thank you for listening if you do enjoy the show please do like and review it on whichever platform it is that you listen to your podcast whether it's itunes spotify google um also why not tell a friend as well get them involved share the wealth around um feedback is greatly appreciated as well you can um, reach me on LinkedIn any feedback is really really appreciated because that goes back into helping the show be what it is that you want um, and I can tailor it to make sure that I'm asking the questions that, that you guys think are relevant but thanks again and see you next week